Boy, it's March. The Big 12 tournament is here this week in Kansas City, and we are so excited to bring you the best coverage here in the Big 12. I'm Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com is, of course, how you find us. And our guy who leads the way in basketball coverage in this conference is Matthew Postens, joining us for our Big 12 basketball tournament preview set for this week in Kansas City at now the T-Mobile Center. Uh, Matthew, before we get to uh, the tournament itself, let's put a bow on the Oklahoma State basketball season. Of course, they can't compete in the postseason uh, due to the NCAA ruling. Uh, what do you make and how should we look back on this year for Mike Boynton and the Oklahoma State Cowboys? Well, I, I think he did a pretty solid job, all things considered. I mean, they knew from the get-go that they were not going to be able to play in the postseason. I think we all generally agree it's a pretty raw deal uh considering that the players on this team uh are being punished for something that happened four or five years ago and none of them were a part of the roster at the time so the fact that he was able to keep them uh motivated throughout the season and the fact that they were able to finish 500 and then beat two top six seeds in the big 12 tournament in the last week iowa state and texas tech you know that that for them, I think that was kind of their Super Bowl, you know, <laughs> so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, they ended the they ended the season on a high note, and you know what's great about this team is you know they really got kind of a you know kind of a free season to develop talent, so to speak, without having to worry so much about the result on the court. And the only player that really has to go away uh, from a from a graduation standpoint is uh, their guard Bryce Williams, who is a super senior. Uh, Isaac likely, of course, is a senior, but of course he also has a COVID year to use if he wishes. I, I have not seen anything that lets me know that he's made a decision one way or the other. He, he doesn't have to uh, for a while, but one thing to keep in mind is that um, this year, this past season, or the season we're in right now, there was no scholarship limit for those players that were coming back. Next year, the scholarship limit kicks back in again, and they'll have to be back at 13 or under. So as we navigate the next few weeks after the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament, and as these seniors especially who have a year uh, due to COVID to use, teams will have to keep that in mind as well. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a very good point. Now, as we look at the tournament itself this week, uh, the first game, of course, the only game on Wednesday is going to be Kansas State and West Virginia. West Virginia, the season's over this week. We know that much. Uh, but Kansas State, I mean, they're saying all the right things. We can make a run. You're hearing that from some of the players. Uh, Bruce Weber is kind of avoiding the noise around his job. I, what, I mean, what, what can realistically happen this week for Kansas State, if anything, Matthew? Or is Bruce Weber just a dead man walking here? Realistically, what could happen is they could beat West Virginia Wednesday night, and that would give them a game against Kansas on Thursday. That would be a highly motivating game for them. I, I wouldn't totally rule out them beating Kansas at a neutral site, um, but it'd be a really tough ask, especially when you consider that right now Marquise Noel, their other talented guard, uh, has missed the last couple of games with the hamstring injury, and I'm not sure if he's going to play on uh, Wednesday against West Virginia. So I think, you know, realistically winning one game and then losing to Kansas is probably what ends up happening to them. And I don't think that's enough to save Bruce Weber's job, honestly. I mean, when you think about, you know, he's been there a decade. He's done quality work. He got them to an elite eight, got them to several NCAA tournaments, but they've had a losing record each of the last three years. And you can certainly 
pin some of the lack of player development after that big three left a few years ago on him. Uh, they were not prepared for life without Dean Wade and Barry Brown Jr. and Kamal Stokes, and it showed over the past three years. I think he did very good work this year with what he had, but I, I think ultimately in the end it's going to probably cost him his job. Yeah, and, you know, he's finished ninth or tenth in the league those last three years as well. And that's, that's mm-hmm. I mean, I just think by Kansas State expectations that – doesn't cut it and nor should it cut it because you're right and and there's no obvious evidence that that's changing next season either which i think should be factored in the equation as well right yeah i mean they've they've got nigel pack coming back they've got um some talented young players in that team but you know the the players that really helped them elevate themselves this year uh are guys who are leaving because they transferred in like mark smith so Mm. um they're gonna have to kind of start over from a recruiting standpoint and you know, I think some Kansas State fans really feel as if they've already started over twice with Bruce Weber. So yeah. I don't think they're they're inclined to start over a third time. Uh, and I wouldn't blame them one bit. Uh, Matthew Poston is joining us. Big 12 tournaments this week. All right, Matthew. So we talked about Kansas State and, and what's realistic. Is there another team you're looking at here and saying, who's got the most to gain in the Big 12 tournament this week as we look ahead? Well, Oklahoma has a lot to gain. I mean, when you consider they're a seven seed, you know, this is one year where for them actually having that 7-10 game would help them because they've won three straight and they're trying to worm their way back into the NCAA tournament, back into that bubble conversation. Mm-hmm. So actually, if they if they had had that 7-10 game, that would actually kind of help their case a little bit because it would give them another victory. But instead, they're going to have to play Baylor on Thursday. And I, I wouldn't discount um Oklahoma winning that game just because they're starting to play better finally um but you know it, it's going to be a really tough ask but I, I feel like they have the most to game and you think about the the top six seeds in the tournament um they're they're going no matter what happens in uh in Kansas City they're going to the tournament Oklahoma's the one that still has something on the line that still has an opportunity to kind of worm their way into the uh, NCAA tournament. So for them, beating Baylor on Thursday would be a huge thing for them. It would really boost them back into the conversation, put them in the semifinals and, and on a side of the bracket where it's, you know, Texas Tech and and uh, uh, West Virginia and, uh, or sorry, Texas Tech and uh, Iowa State. So, you know, it, it would give them a potential pathway toward maybe getting to the championship game. I don't, I don't know that they're that talented, but that's kind of what's on the line for them, honestly in terms of trying to figure out if they can get into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, now you look at the top of of this league, uh, Baylor and Kansas, of course, sharing the regular season title, both finishing 14-4. and Uh, The question for the top of this league is, I guess, NCAA tournament seeding. Does anyone have a lot to lose here when you look at Baylor, Kansas, Tech? Or uh, do you say, hey, Baylor and Kansas, worst case, they're each a two-seed. Texas three at worst. There's not a lot to lose for any of these teams. Or is there somebody you're looking at and saying, well, if things don't go well this week, maybe they can drop a little bit. I don't see Kansas and Baylor and Texas seeds being very volatile. I mm-hmm. mean, right now on ESPN, for instance, Kansas and Baylor are both one seeds. Um, if they lose in the semifinals, they might drop to a two seed. If they get to the championship game, they'll very likely be a one. So there's, I don't see them dropping a whole lot tech might drop a spot if they lose their quarterfinal game but i don't see them falling out of a top four seed in a particular region um 
Texas might have a bit to lose from a seeding standpoint just because they've lost their last two games. And if they end up losing to TCU uh, on, uh, in, the, on, in the quarterfinals on Thursday, you know, they're a five seed right now. That might drop into the six, maybe a seven. TCU could nudge up a seed or two with a couple of wins. You know, Iowa State sitting there in solid position. They might drop, you know, a seed if they lose uh, to Texas Tech on Thursday. So I don't, I don't see a lot of volatility. And you don't necessarily see a lot of volatility at this point from a seeding standpoint unless you're talking about a team that's, you know, sitting there on the bubble between getting into the tournament and getting and not being in the tournament. So I don't, I don't see a ton of moving around uh, between the six teams that are expected to be in the tournament at this point. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I think, you know, for a guy like Bill Self, if I'm Bill Self, uh, Matthew, I'm trying to figure out what my rotation is going to be. You even saw it Saturday in the uh, win over Texas, which Bill Self called himself an ugly game. But when when he's, you know, playing, uh, geez, seven guys off the bench, I think it was, and he's still trying to figure out a rotation. I mean, that's as much as what this week is about as anything for a guy like Bill Self, right? Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, as you know, you know, we we had a story on it a couple of weeks ago. He talked a couple of weeks ago about considering sitting David McCormick for the Big 12 tournament just to give him some time to recover from the injuries that he's been dealing with this year that have kind of, you know, stunted his, uh, you know, impact on the court. And it's interesting now, you know, they're, they've, they've not played great defense the past few weeks. Uh, they haven't been a great defensive team uh, all season, but really the last few weeks, they've just not been at the level that Bill Self wants them to be. Do you, do you sit David McCormick? Do you let him rest? Do you play guys like Mitch Lightfoot and Zach Clements more to get them a little more floor time because there's not a lot of, you know, change in your seeding coming, or do you play McCormick in an effort to win the tournament and ensure yourself a number one seed and maybe give yourself just a little bit more wiggle room on the first weekend of the tournament? I think that's a fascinating dynamic because you're right. I don't think that Kansas is a total – Kansas's chemistry right now to me is not as good as Baylor's, and Baylor's playing fewer players at this point because of injury. Uh, but Baylor to me just seems like a tighter team right now than Kansas, and you know, a tournament like this offers Kansas a good opportunity to build some of that chemistry. But I think to do that, you've got to play David McCormick. And if you play David McCormick, maybe you risk him getting hurt. So it's a, it's going to be fascinating to see what he decides to do with that first game on, on Thursday. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, McCormick, he had a great game on Saturday, a double-double. So if you don't play him on Thursday, that's Bill Self basically saying, I value uh, McCormick's health no matter what, mm-hmm. over the seeding, right? That's that's what that would tell you if Bill Self decides to not play McCormick because he's, I don't want to say he's forfeiting, Matthew, but I, you're not going to feel good about Kansas with the way they've been playing, the inconsistency from guys off the bench. You can't feel good about this team with McCormick sitting this thing out this week. If he does Yeah, I do mean, that. if he does. I mean, he might, they might not win the Big 12 tournament without him, but, you know, this is a team that can win an NCAA tournament with him. And I, I've said all along this season that he is the one player on that team that offers them something that nobody else in that team can offer Kansas. He is a, a an inside presence who can rebound the ball, who can score. When he is on, he's like he was Saturday. He's a double-double, walking double-double every night. He can do things that Agbaje can't do, Wilson can't do, that nobody else in their roster can do. With him, they can be a Final Four team. Without him, I don't see them getting out of the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. So if you've got to sacrifice a little bit to rest him this week to have him ready, 
and that's the decision Bill Self makes, and then that's what he's saying to you. I value what we could potentially do in the NCAA tournament more than what we might do in Kansas City this weekend. Oh, and uh, by the way, college basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Yeah, it's that simple. If they win, you win. And if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at the share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, who will make it to the next round? And who will hit the most three-pointers? And then track your results. So even if Sportsbook's not available in your state, you can join the DraftKings pool. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use our promo code HCS. That's HCS for Heartland College Sports. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code HCS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21-plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, the Baylor Bears, Matthew, when you look at them, uh, Scott Drew was named the Big 12 Coach of the Year by the league. Uh, different from our pick, but the league did name him Big 12 Coach of the Year. Obviously had a bit of adversity on the injury front this year. Is this team back to where it was? I think about them blowing out Villanova when they just looked like, you know, other world. Now, Villanova's come a long way since then, too, but still, uh, are they back to that level, or is there still a bit of a ways to go to get this Baylor team back? I, I think they still have a bit of a ways to go, but, I mean, for them to, to to get there, in my mind, they would need players back that are not coming back, like Jonathan Chamochachua. I mean, who they are right now is a a team that has the potential to blow up for 80, 85 points every night that can shoot the three very well, um, you know, between Adam Flagler and James Akinjo and, and LJ Cryer, if Cryer can get on the floor. Uh, they've got three or four other guys who are playing big-time roles for them. Jeremy Sohan and uh, Kendall Brown aren't really freshmen anymore, given as much as they've played. They're, they're contributing like sophomores now. So they're going to be a, a tightly wound team with good chemistry, with a short bench, that as long as they're shooting well from outside and doing a good job of defending and keeping teams off the boards and keeping Flo Thamba out of out trouble, they can be a, a dangerous team in this Big 12 tournament, and they can be a dangerous team in the NCAA tournament. But it's going to be, for them to get to the Final Four, it's going to be a, a much more gritty kind of team, a much more gritty type of, type of performance than we saw last year in the NCAA tournament. Yes. Now, in terms of um, looking around this league and saying, okay, you got Baylor and Kansas, the the obvious one-two going into this Big 12 tournament, is, is there a team that you say, hey, you know what? I mean, outside of Baylor and Kansas, is it Tech the obvious third choice? Is it Texas based on, you know, how they played as of late and taking Kansas in Lawrence to overtime? I mean, is there a team, even though they've lost a couple of games in a row, is there a team that you're saying to yourself, well, this this is a sleeper to win this thing that maybe isn't getting enough attention? You know, I think TCU is a really interesting team, and I, and I know they're a five seed, and they did, and they're coming off two losses themselves. But yeah. When they're firing right, Mike Miles is producing 20, 25 points a game, and then you've got Chuck O'Bannon and Damian Ball and Emmanuel Miller 
all four, all three of which are capable of 10, 12 points a game. They play better defense than I think they get a lot of credit for. Um, they they seem to have a sense of the moment, especially in close games, and being able to to execute in those moments. It doesn't always go their way, but you know they played a they beat Kansas at home. They played a really good game against Kansas on the road before losing. Um, Morgantown's a tough place to play. I think on a neutral side against a Texas team that can be inconsistent at times on the offensive side of the floor, uh, they could potentially win that game, get to the next round, play Kansas. And the thing is, yeah, they've played Kansas twice and they've split, but they've played Kansas twice in the last week and a half. So they're going to be really familiar with them. And that could potentially help them out, especially if Bill Self decides to, to sit David McCormick. Uh, that definitely helps TCU out. So they're they're a team that I have my eye on. I'm not sure if they can win that first round game with Texas, just because Texas has this tendency to to lock in offensively at times. But they also have this tendency to just you know kind of fall off the map offensively, and that's the, that's why I'm not sold on Texas getting very far in the Big 12 tournament because their offense has just been so inconsistent. So to me, TCU is a team if they're locked in right, if they're playing well. They're a team that could, you know, surprise some people just because of what of the tools that they have and potentially because of the size of the bracket they're on. Bill Self's decision about David McCormick could really help them out mm-hmm. uh, potentially if he decides to sit them. You know, we're not giving Jamie Dixon enough credit for this season. I mean, you and I have talked about him quite a bit, uh, but we think about Big 12 Coach of the Year candidates and, and Scott Drew and Mark Adams and, and Bill Self obviously topped most people's lists. I, I don't know what the expectations were for Jamie Dixon, if any, coming into this year, knowing the incredible amount of turnover that he had. But here he is probably looking at a, what, a, a mid-seed? I don't know what the latest bracketologies are for TCU, but, you know, middle of the pack in the toughest conference in America for this guy when the shine has kind of worn off him, it feels like, the last couple of years. Pretty darn impressive. Yeah, it really is. They're an eight right now in most of the racketologies that I see. So that, and I think that's pretty appropriate given where they are. And, you know, really, TCU is one of three programs that had massive turnover from last season. Them, Texas Tech, and Iowa State, all three of them lost more players than they retained by a pretty significant margin. And it's interesting when you look at the jobs that Dixon's done at TCU, that Mark Adams has done at Texas Tech, and T.J. Alfelberger has done at Iowa State. All three of these teams are going to the NCAA tournament. But, you know, Dixon's job was really to take a lot of disparate parts, put them together. A lot of players who had logged a lot of time at mid-major schools and and been kind of the the lead dog, so to speak, at their school and try to get them to blend together as a team. And it took a little bit longer with him than it took for Mark Adams at Texas Tech and for T.J. Otzelberger at Iowa State. But right around late January, that win over LSU at home, that was a big, big win for them because I think it finally showed them the kind of team they could be. And, and then from there, they went on a little bit of a run. And, and now they're a team that, you know, I think could be kind of dangerous in this Big 12 tournament. You know, a few years ago, this was a TCU team that won a quarterfinal game, and I think they beat Kansas, as a matter of fact, in the in the quarterfinal games of that particular tournament. So they're capable. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of whether they're – you know, capable of beating a team like Texas. And you know, they're motivated, believe me. They lost to Texas twice. They pushed them in their second meeting at the Irwin Center a couple of weeks ago. That's going to be a really fun game. And it's the first game of the day on Thursday at like 11 a.m. It'll probably be the least attended game 
uh, of, the, of the four games that day, but it, it could end up being the closest of the four. Yeah. Now, the team we haven't talked about is the team that has won four of the last seven Big 12 tournaments. That's Iowa State. So, uh, yeah. this, this, speaking of the shine kind of wearing off, uh, you know, great start to the season for Coach Otzelberger and the Cyclones. Kind of, I don't want to say faded, but came back to the mean, uh, shall we say, the second half of conference play. Where where are you at on on the Cyclones right now, and what kind of noise they can possibly make this week based on their draw? Yeah, it's really interesting because they ended up with a Texas Tech team that they split with. They they beat Tech at home, but that was, was so early, early in the season, game. right? It was really early in the season, and then yeah. they met a few weeks later in Lubbock, and 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 Tech won by eight, and by then Tech was really rolling uh, at that point. And you know now I'd feel much better about Iowa State had they not scored 36 points against Oklahoma State in their next to last game of the season. And no. you know, Iowa State's problem is kind of Texas's problem, too. They're not a consistent offensive team. You know, Isaiah Brockington was on the All-Big 12 first team, deservedly so. He has been their most cons- consistent offensive performer all season. But at various times, it's been Tyrese Hunter, it's been Caleb Grill, it's been Gabe Kalsher, it's been uh, George Condit. I mean, you know, Tristan and Aruna had a couple of really good games in conference play, and then he's kind of tailed off a little bit. They just haven't really had a a really high level, consistent second option. Tyrese Hunter is probably that number two guy, and he's got to run the point too. He's got to make sure that everybody else gets their touches, and he's got to run the offense. So he's got a lot more to do than Isaiah Brockington, who can really just give me the ball and let me make a play. So I think it really boils down to can they get hot when they get to Kansas City. You know, the great thing about that that last game on Thursday night, that game's going to be crazy because it's going to be Tech. Tech's going to bring their fans. Iowa State's obviously going to bring their fans because they consider it Hilton South. That might be the best-attended game of the four, you know, assuming Kansas State doesn't beat West Virginia on Wednesday. And it could be a really great game because they're really mirror images of one another. They play great defense. Uh, they've got great guard play, uh, especially Iowa State. But, Texas Tech is a more balanced team. So Iowa State's going to have to find a way to overcome Texas Tech's offensive balance, and it can't just be handing the ball to Isaiah Brockington and hoping he scores 30 points. It can't. There's no way that'll work for him. And, you know, I was looking this up before we got uh, started on the show. You know, Iowa State's sitting there. They got their 20 wins. They're in the NCAA tournament. They're 7-11 and in Big 12 play. But I was looking at how many close games uh, they played, especially in their wins. I mean, five of their seven Big 12 wins, Matthew, are by four points or less. I, there is there is just there's no margin for error for this team, and it's in large part because of what you just talked about. Uh, for that reason alone, I, I don't think Iowa State fans can feel great going into this week, even if they're fine come Selection Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see Iowa State winning the tournament, but I could see them beating Texas Tech on Thursday, but it's going to require – one of those other guys I mentioned, not just Isaiah Brockington, having a big game, you know, giving them something down the stretch. There's something to be said for, you know, yeah, we only won seven conference games, but like you said, they won four by four points or less. That means that they're finding ways to win those games down the stretch, and that can be an important experience uh, because Tech has played a lot of close games, and uh, they know how to make those plays down the stretch too. So that could be one of those games, honestly, that ends up being a, a last-second kind of affair or maybe even an overtime affair. I'm not looking forward to overtime for a game that will probably end about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night on Thursday, but that could be the kind of game we end up with. And it'll be like 52 to 50, right? I mean, obviously. It very well could be. I mean, their first game, I think, was 51.7. So, I mean, 
you know, that's the thing about Iowa State because their defense is so good. They can they can get away with a a low scoring game, assuming you know they're holding their opponent down to fifty fifty five points. Once the game starts getting into that sixty sixty five range, that's when I start getting worried about a team like an Iowa State, and frankly, a team like a Texas too, because you know their offenses both seem to have these these spates of five, six, seven minutes where they really don't do anything, and it really puts them in a corner. All right, give me your uh, Big 12 tournament. Who do you like in the championship game, and, and who do you like winning it? I think Baylor will get to the championship game. I think, you know, given what's on the other side of that bracket, I think that Kansas will probably still find a way to get into that championship game, even without, even if they don't play David McCormick. I think Bill Self can manufacture enough to get them to the title game. And then I think Baylor wins the championship just because I think Baylor is just, their chemistry is better right now. I think they're playing a little bit better than anybody in the conference right now. Um, they probably need the title a little more than Kansas to be a one seed, which I think would help them personally. I think it would very likely put them in Fort Worth in that sub-regional, which would you know give them a an opportunity to play in front of basically their home plan, home fans for the first two uh, games of the tournament. And um, I think Adam Flagler ends up being your Big 12 tournament MVP. He's had a couple. He's had three or four really great games down the stretch, and he seems like he's locked in offensively right now. Okay, all right. I'm gonna go, and I agree with you. By the way, uh, the the side of the bracket with. Uh, Baylor, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Texas Tech is a much more difficult part of the bracket, right? We're on the same page there. I think so. Um, I think so. I think Baylor gets through there as well. I think they're they're playing as well as they played uh, since early in the season. And then on the other end, just to just to be a little different here, Matthew, uh, with the questions, the other side of that bracket is a toss up based on the McCormick situation. Um, I'm going to go Texas. I think Texas gets by TCU. I think Texas gets a rematch against Kansas. Uh, following last Saturday's loss in Lawrence. I think they're fired up for that. Who knows the McCormick situation. I think they'll get the win. Uh, I think Chris Beard, that'd be a good kind of lift for him in uh, year one. And then I like Baylor over Texas in the championship game come Saturday night. So I'm going to go Baylor versus Texas. Baylor wins. You've got uh, Baylor, Kansas with Baylor taking the victory. I like it. I like it, my man. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Texas. It's interesting if they if they're firing offensively, mm-hmm. and I say if because they have these games where they just they can't get anything done. They could make a run like you're talking about, and I, it really with them it all boils down to Timmy Allen. If Timmy Allen is hitting 18, 20 points and grabbing eight or nine rebounds, they're winning games. If he's limited in how he's scoring, the one thing that I, I just I haven't seen from Texas lately is when Timmy Allen doesn't have a good game doesn't seem like anybody's stepping up on the offensive end. And that's what I, I, I would imagine that's what Chris Beard's talking about with them consistently. They need somebody to step in when it's clear that Timmy Allen is, is being limited by the other team's defense because he's their number one scoring option. Everybody knows that they're throwing double teams at him, you know, and he's a good passer. So who's going to be the open guy that's going to hit those open shots uh, down the stretch when Allen can't get a shot off. Yes, uh, I love the analysis. As always, Matthew Postens, he'll be in Kansas City this week. Up here, uh, we're on base out of covering the Big 12 tournament. Men and women, I might add, as well. So we'll be covering the mm-hmm. women's tournament as well. So 
It's going to be a uh, going to be a, a fun week, Matthew. You're going to be running back and forth between uh, T-Mobile and Municipal Auditorium. Still be working off those uh, those media meals pretty well between those two arenas. <laughs> yeah, I try not to take the shuttle. Although, I, I, admittedly, I look forecast what seventy percent chance of snow on Thursday. Is that what I'm looking yeah, at right bring, now? Bring your snow boots. I'll leave it at that. Yes, bring your <laughs> snow boots. Uh, I know you guys down in Texas aren't used to it, but bring those snow boots. It's not going to be. And it was seventy five last week, so it's just you know you know how the weather is in this part of the world this time of year. It's bizarro, but uh, yeah, it's not going to be good. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to to you know being with women uh, as well on on Friday. You know they've got their big day on Friday with their four games. Uh, the Big 12 did a really good job with the schedule, you know, kind of, you know, allowing those of us who are trying to cover both tournaments cover as much as possible. So, you know, hats off to them for doing a good job with the schedule. Saturday's great because we can get both semifinal women's games in before the Big 12 championship game on Saturday. So should be a lot of fun, a lot of great basketball at both arenas. If you're if you're planning on going, try to, try to split your time between both. And uh, uh, the Big 12 women have had a great season. They've got six teams going to the tournament. And very likely those top four seeds, um, Baylor, Iowa State, Texas, and, and Oklahoma will be the teams playing um, on Saturday in the semifinals. Going to be fun. Bring your jacket. He's Matthew Postens. We'll be following along on heartlandcollegesports.com. Matthew, great to have you on, man. We'll be talking to you soon and, and reading plenty this week from Kansas City. Appreciate the time. Hey, no problem at all. Always great to talk Big 12 hoops with Matthew Postens. It's going to be an awesome week here in Kansas City. Uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button, by the way. If you want to do us a favor for the week of the Big 12 tournament, how about this? Hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating and review, and send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I'll get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. It's the only way, only way, to get your hands on a Heartland College Sports koozie. Appreciate you guys so much. Look forward to a great week of coverage. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com.